let's talk about books. Hello there. (laughs) Right at the same time. To be fair, you didn't write down who should talk first. Well, I didn't, but I figured we would just naturally (laughs) greet each other like human beings do. No. No, we're robots. Um, Hi. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello, human podcast co-host. So, yeah, let's talk about what we're reading, since clearly we can't talk to each other like normal human beings. No, we can only talk about books, so let's talk about them. I just started a really fun new sci-fi book this morning that I think you might actually like too. It's called Hull Metal Girls, and I think it's coming out the Tuesday after this episode will be released. It's July 17th, and I'm not very far into it yet, but I think it's going to be really interesting. It's got a lot of like fun sci-fi elements that you see in a lot of good space opera-like books, but I think it's about this group of ships that's off searching for a new habitable planet. I don't really know what happened there yet, but assumedly bad things to Earth. And usually how it goes. Usually how it goes. And so far, all I've really gotten is that it's following these two young women, both of whom have signed up for this extremely dangerous procedure that basically turns them into cyborg super soldiers. Uh, I do like cyborgs. Yeah, they have like crazy mechanical <laughs> implants and they wind up being, I think, seven feet tall with this metal spine and weigh like 500 pounds with all of their like, added on gear. And the twist so far is that one of them has signed up for this because she was previously a janitor her parents had died and she had two younger siblings and her little brother just contracted this terrible plague and Mm -hmm. the only way she was going to even possibly be able to have the money in order to get life-saving treatments for him was to sign up for this program but the other girl can't remember signing up and she was one of the high class girls you know who definitely didn't need to so mystery to be solved there Hmm, very interesting. Yeah. So what are you reading? So this is a book I just started. I actually got it quite a while ago, and it's not a new book, but it's A Thousand Pieces of You by Claudia Gray. Oh my gosh, I never said who my book was by. (laughs) (laughs) Hold Metal Girl is by Emily Skretsky. Now please proceed with A Thousand Pieces of You. So Claudia Gray has written some Star Wars Yeah, books. she's written several Star Wars books. Mm-hmm. And so I read Bloodline, which is one about Leia. Yeah, I still need to read it that one. A, it, it's really good. And I really liked it, so I wanted to read more Claudia Gray. And this is sort of her sci-fi YA series. Mm. And yeah, so I'm about a third of the way into the book. And it's very interesting. It's all about alternative realities. Sort of a different kind of sci-fi than the kind you've just read. Yeah. And the whole premise is that they're trying to track down this guy who murdered murdered her father that's like page one so i'm not spoiling anything there and yeah it's super interesting because like all these alternative realities she's just gone to her second one and they're all very different and strange and unexpected ways from Mm. where we are there are definitely some mysteries to solve i'm really enjoying it so yeah that one sounds really interesting yeah i haven't i don't read a ton of alternate universe science fiction sort of weirdly enough when i read science fiction i tend to go for space and yeah. robots. I've read, I've and, read a few. Yeah, so this is this is fun. I haven't read any alternative realities in quite a while, so this is fun. Yeah, I'm also reading another kind of very different from that sci-fi that I just started also, which you've probably heard of because it's a I've pretty big one in the heard sci-fi of. world. <laughs> it's it's called, on my list. Yeah, it's The Three-Body Problem by Liu Sushin. Please forgive me for how I just butchered that name. That is my 
best attempt after listening to many pronunciation videos. And I'm really not that far into it yet. I know that the basic premise is basically that it's this really epic generational sci-fi story about aliens and video games and aliens using video games to try and get people to understand them and like on their side. And it sounds amazing and fascinating. And I've been wanting to read it for a long time in no small part because the translator, Ken Liu, has written another series, a fantasy series, the first book of which I've read and was really incredible. Grace of Kings, by the way, is the title of that book. And yeah, so far I'm only one chapter in and most of it was about the Chinese Cultural Revolution, which... Uh, I may need to do some background reading on (laughs) just to have a better basis for this book, I think, because yeah, despite taking some world history classes, I just don't, I I have like a very rudimentary understanding of that. And I just think I need a little more, more cultural context for this book. Yeah. I'm really interested so far. It's grabbed my attention already. Hey, cool. Cool. So tell me about what else you're reading. Well, my next book I'm reading, well, I I finished reading both of these because it's two books. It's a set. Um, and they are sort of a magical realism about a point in Chinese history. It's Boxers. Oh, appropriate. <laughs> it's Boxers and Saints by Jean Yuen Yang. I have seen a lot about that one. Yeah, I've been meaning to read it basically since it came out and it's on overdrive at my library so i checked both of them out i actually had no idea they were sort of magical realism i thought they were going yeah to be more i didn't historical. know that either. but yeah so it's two books boxers is the first volume and saints is the second uh and i would recommend reading them in order even though they're taking place at the same time they're, it's an overlapping storyline told from the two points of view but it's a really interesting book collection it's uses sort of like magical realism to illustrate I think some of the feelings of the time. The first one's really good, but the second one kind of wrecked me. Wrecked in a good way or a bad way? Both. <laughs> it's it's sad because they happen like concurrently. You sort of know what's going to happen in the second one after you finish the first one, but it hits you harder. Like even though you already know, it hits you hard when you get to the second one and there's sort of an epilogue and yeah, the second one gets you. Like the first one's good, but the second one's going to get you. They're definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That's definitely one I want to add to my list. I I really, like, I've been reading, I'm not going to talk about all of the ones I've read, but I've been reading more, not necessarily nonfiction, but more, like, historical retellings and graphic novels and more graphic novels about everyday life. It's an interesting, like, genre within graphic novels that I've been exploring a bit recently. So, yeah, what other books have you read? (laughs) Well, so... I just finished up, as you well know, since I passed the book off to you. I literally have the book sitting next to me right now. I, know. <laughs> I just finished reading My Plain Jane by Cynthia Hand, Brody Ashton, and Jody Meadows. And guys, it is such a fun one. I was really excited about this. I've been awaiting this one for a while because I read My Lady Jane, which is sort of the companion novel. This isn't exactly a straightforward sequel because it's mostly dealing with other characters, but they're these really awesome books. These three YA author friends have gotten together to write these books where they're sort of reimagining famous Janes from history, both fictional and more reality-based. And in the first book, they talk about Lady Jane Grey. And in this one, they're dealing with Jane Eyre. Except it's a very different take on the story. I'm going to break in here and say Jane Eyre is probably my favorite gothic romance. So Yeah, I'll be really interested to see what you think about it because they're a little critical of it. Understandably, because gothic novels have some really problematic tropes and ideas that, you know, you can still enjoy for what they are in them, but they definitely take a kind of modern critical eye to it. I'm a big fan of, like, subverting the, like, Yeah, um, subverting that narrative. Yeah. 
because and they, there's a lot of really i could talk for a long time about like gothic romances and and i'm not going to get into it because it would be the whole podcast um but there's a lot of interesting stuff there where if you just look at it a little differently there are problems with the gothic romances but there are also some really positive empowering kind of sentiments in gothic romances in, to a degree so i'm, I'm excited sure and that's our other gothic romance podcast <laughs> That we'll be starting up next. I mean, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I kind of started this so that we could talk about gothic romances. That's why I wanted to have a podcast really, because no one could talk we, to me about my thoughts we about didn't gothic romances. Pick the correct premise for that topic, Sarah. Well, it was I wanted to talk about like a modern thing, so it, it was a modern <laughs> like gothic romance kind of thing. Okay. Anyway, I'm anyway, done on my tangent. Back, <laughs> back to the book that I'm reading. So it's got a lot of the great stuff that I loved from the first book, My Lady Jane. It has these very intrusive narrators. The authors are very present as narrators in the book, sort of talking about their own views and kind of poking fun at the fact that they're very willfully changing up history and facts, or in this case, fiction. And this one also introduces elements of ghost hunting, which is both very appropriate for the gothic genre and also with subverting some of those tropes and so anyway they sort of are mixing together I'm all, the jane eyre story along again. with could you i mean could i finish a sentence <laughs> no i was just gonna say that jane eyre doesn't have enough ghosts so i think accurate this is a solid that is true that is true jane eyre does not have enough ghosts she needed a few more and so it's mixing jane eyre with ghost hunting but then we also actually have charlotte bronte as a character yeah which is really fun and because i'm sure you do as well but i know a little bit about the brontes and they're changing up their story but they're doing it in a way that fits very well because they're basically having her be at Lowood, the school that mm. Jane Eyre is at. And the Bronte girls did go for a while to this charity school for girls that was really terrible and that probably Lowood was at least somewhat based on. Yeah. So anyway, it's this really great, very fun book. I enjoyed it. I like raced through it in two days, partially because I really needed to get it to Sarah because she was like looking over my shoulder like, how fast are you reading this? And also because yeah. I just couldn't put it down. So it's I'm very a great one and I definitely book. recommend it. I'm super, super excited to be borrowing <laughs> your copy right now because I've been looking forward to this one. The last one I'm going to talk about is one that you recommended to me. Yes, um, I love this book so much. Which is sort of a mixed thing because we both read it. Like Rachel read it as an ARC. Yeah. I'm reading an advanced it like reader's very copy shortly after it came. who doesn't know that lingo. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm reading it very shortly after it came out, and we are going to have to wait a long time for the sequel. I it's going know. To be it was hard. one of those situations where I finished it before the book even came out, and I was like, when does the sequel come out? When is she writing it? Is it ready yet? I need it now. So this is Fury Born by Claire Legrand. Yes. It's great. It's a YA fantasy. It's got a lot of the elements of fantasy because there's some like weird subgenres of fantasy I'm really into. And one is fantasy worlds without magic. And we've got some of that going on. We've got these intertwined narratives because the whole premise is there are two points of view and they take place a thousand years apart. Yeah, which is such an awesome premise, especially when you see how she like weaves them together. Yes, it's basically there's a prophecy and there are sort of from one perspective there's magic and there are angels and from the other perspective there's no magic and it's war all the time and things are very bad and there's sort of a prophecy tying everything together and it's great i will say it took me a little bit to get into the book like it took me a few chapters to get into it because 
it is sort of jarring to go a thousand years apart chapter by chapter definitely um but it's so good once you're into it yeah um, so i agree and i sort like, of switched back and forth on which point of view narrative i preferred yeah. but i still i just really enjoyed it it's a very clever story yeah and this also does something i like which is the prologue kind of tells you everything like yeah, it tells it you away the a whole ending huge part of like, what's gonna not happen. the ending of this book like yeah i think basically the ending of the would, whole series i don't think we would strongly suspect but we would not know for sure a um, huge so yeah, detail if it wasn't spoiled in the prologue and i i kind of love that when you know because you sort of forget as you read the book and then it's like oh wow this takes on much deeper meaning after you yeah. finish the book because now you understand and it's still it's just like the ultimate foreshadowing because you kind of know what's going to happen in the end to one of these characters and it's just wanting to see like, how their intentions got them so off track and how they end up in the position they end up in because from the first chapter you know things are going to go very south for one of these characters in the end so yeah it's just a great book and i super recommend it second but you are going to have to wait for a sequel and it's it's like a cliffhanger guys you're gonna need the sequel it's it's like moderately wrapped up but there's a lot left to be done and you're just gonna be like waiting on that sequel yeah okay so these are some great books that everybody should read but now i think we should dig a little deeper into something that we just barely brushed on in our last episode when we discussed the prisoner of azkaban because we talked a little bit about patronuses and we have thoughts about patronuses we have thoughts guys because here's the thing have you taken the pottermore quiz if you haven't just go ahead and like stop what you're doing Unless you're driving, in which case, please don't stop what you're doing. Keep driving, and when you get to a stopping point, stop and take the Pottermore quiz. But just go ahead and take the Pottermore quiz. We'll wait. Yeah, okay, so now, how do you feel about that? Because it's probably not great. Because bad, huh? Unless you got really lucky. No, you probably got bad. I don't think I know anyone who came out of it. Even if they got one where I'm like, that was a good one compared to, they're like, ooh, this is terrible. Nobody came out of that quiz feeling good. Nobody. Okay, so first, I think we need to talk about what we got. Because we, obviously, being the crazy Harry Potter fans that we are, took the Patronus quiz as soon as it came right. out. And I would argue that you got a decent one, and that I See, did not. See, and I feel that yours is better than mine. So let's let's discuss. What did you get? I got a Dapple Gray Stallion. See, and I know you aren't happy about that, I'm but I'm like, not a that's horse a horse person. That's like, I'm not a, a horse, horse girl. Cool. Okay, but also, here's a fact that should make you feel better Ginny Weasley's Patronus was a horse so right but Ginny Weasley's Patronus is a horse mine is not a horse Pottermore got it wrong that's fair that's fair and I think we'll get to that because Pottermore is clearly wrong on a lot of levels about Patronuses so what I got that you think is better and I don't think is better I think it's I don't think it's terrible I just don't think it's right I got a hedgehog I mean it's not right (laughs) it's not right like i have nothing against hedgehogs i have some friends who have had hedgehogs as pets they're very very cute cute. it's not my patronus though yeah like it's gonna go cuddle up with the dementor i don't know like what do you want this isn't right so many issues with the pottermore quiz but i think my one of my first big ones that would make me at least feel a little bit better because i was as i was trying to remember what my patronus was and everything to talk more about this episode i went back to look a couple of times it does not tell you why you got the Patronus that you yeah. got. There isn't, like, I even looked on other websites. There is no information anywhere, unless it's just somebody making something up, about why you got the Patronus you got. And supposedly, based on things J.K. Rowling has said, she did put, like, thought into why you would get this answer from 
the question you chose. So why would they not give an explanation? Because I feel like that could mitigate some of the frustration people have over it. At least if it was like, oh, you got a hedgehog because you're like, I don't even know. What does a hedgehog even say about your personality? Like you're I don't cute know. What and cuddly, does a horse say about my And you have kind of like spiny ridges on your back. So I guess you're kind of like strong and cool or something. I don't know. But like if it at least told me something like that, I'd be like, okay, I guess. Sure. Whatever. I still don't like it. But at least I have a reason. Right? I mean, I don't think I feel better. I was deeply disappointed when I got my results. I mean, me too. I remember when we got them. But I think it would at least help you to understand why you got the answer that you got a little yeah, bit. I would, it would be nice if I knew why. I still yeah, wouldn't exactly. agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to know why. But, okay, going deeper into the problems with it, because I have a lot of thoughts, as you know, about the problem <laughs> with quizzes like this. But in And I know we've talked about the issues with sorting quizzes and things like that in past episodes. So we're going to go in a slightly different direction with this one. Because the issue with the Patronus quiz, which is different even than, you know, a wand quiz or a sorting quiz, because that has its own problems, but it's different because with Patronuses, it's so much about your own thoughts and feelings about animals and what animals have really positive connotations to you. What animals do you have personal connections to? They talk about that so much in the books, how your Patronuses can change and how most people's Patronuses do have a very personal connection to them. And also, and like to their personality, but like even more, I think one of the reasons these quizzes fail is that no matter how many animals you do, they have to be kind of generic because a lot of people are going to get the same animal. And in the books, basically no one has the same animal for their Patronus. Like everybody's is something different. Right. Right. And with a quiz, like everyone's just going to get the same handful of things. Even though a lot of people's are different, Actually, several people do have the same ones because, again, a lot of them are because they have a strong emotional connection to this animal. Right. Like, They're like the more Remus and ones. Tonks have the same Patronus because Remus's Patronus is a wolf. And when Tonks falls in love with him and is like kind of grieving because he doesn't really want to reciprocate or enter into a relationship with her, her Patronus becomes a wolf to reflect her feelings. And Harry's Patronus is a stag because of his dad, whose Patronus was also a stag. And Lily's is a doe because doe goes with stag. And Snape's Patronus is a stag. And, you know, or, Dumbledore's... No, Snape's is a doe. Snape's is a doe. That, yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Real messed yeah, up. Snape, yeah, Snape did not have aired fluffy feelings. Snape did not have fluffy feelings for James Potter. Very important cool. to note. <laughs> um, gotta get that stuff right. Gotta get... Yeah, gotta, gotta lay that out right. And Dumbledore's is a phoenix. You know, so they all have you or like even arthur weasley's is a weasel is a weasel which you know so most people are good. like mm, i don't know but like that's good because you know weasley weasel it works so like these are still animals that even if they aren't conventionally one you would think you would want they're very appropriate for the character yeah and so i think that's really important and a quiz just can't determine that because it's also not going to be able to determine which animals you have positive or negative feelings attached to like i know a really great example of that is i don't know if you remember the whole thing with ivana lynch who obviously is like the biggest harry potter fan in the world probably so i knew about her thing with the house i didn't know about a patronus thing so i'm very excited okay so you know anyone who knows anything about ivana lynch from the harry potter series or anything probably knows that she's a cat person yes yeah okay i guess that's probably kind of common knowledge for harry potter fans she's definitely a cat person and she was so upset on twitter i do think we shouldn't say that's common knowledge for Harry Potter fans. That's common knowledge for, like, reaching a certain level of Harry Potter fans. A that, certain like, level of Harry some Potter of us have reached. Is common knowledge. But is maybe not <laughs> most Harry Potter fans. Fair. And anyway, she's she loves cats. And <laughs> she had this whole Twitter thread where she talked about how she got a salmon. <laughs> which is, first of all, 
oh no <laughs> like anyone would be upset about that and she's talking about how it would make her cry and feel a bad salmon. things and wouldn't be able to defeat the dementor salmon is rough that's bad that, that makes i feel like that's i feel like better. that's like the peak example of yeah being super upset over the Pottermore quiz that's yep that's about as bad as it gets yeah <laughs> so i have a question to pose for you since clearly Pottermore did a sturdy on our Patronuses, it did not give us a correct Patronuses. And since our own emotional connections to animals probably matter more than anything else when it comes to this, I think we are our own best judges of what our Patronus would be. So, Sarah, what would your Patronus be? This is hard. I've been thinking about this because I feel strongly that it is not a horse. <laughs> um, so I've been trying to figure out what mine is, and it's act- it's kind of hard. Cause it's, like, yeah, you really have to dig kind of deep. jumps right out to me. So I've thought about a few different animals. But I think what I'm going to go with is a cat, actually. I like it. I've always liked cats. I have cats. Much like Ivana Lynch, you are a cat person. Much like Ivana Lynch. Well, I'm not like a cat person to the No, you're an animal dogs. I also love dogs. I'm yes. an animal person. But I particularly love cats. And yeah, I think cats, a cat is the right thing. I do feel a little weird because I'm like 90% sure Umbridge's Patronus was a cat, so I'm not thrilled about yeah, that. Yeah, but... That was umbrage. You, know, you can't like she, don't compare yourself to her, Sarah. She has so much better. She can't than her. ruin cats. Cats are too good. Don't let she her ruin, ruin cats them. for you. Do not let. She's umbrage going to ruin, ruin cats for you. She's going to ruin. A don't lot let of her ruin cats or pink for you. Well, I mean, I'm not going to wear the kind of pink she wore. Well, well, no, not my color of pink. But she's going to ruin a lot for us in August, I believe. So, yeah, but not cats. She can't ruin cats. Not for cats. Me. She can't ruin cats. Try as she might, she can't ruin cats. <laughs> And she probably would try, given the opportunity. Oh, she would. So, what is your Patronus? So, it's, funnily enough, kind of similar to yours. Like, a different track, but we're we're in the same family there, which is appropriate since, you know, sisters. But I think mine would be a cheetah. Huh. I I've thought about that a that. lot. I There was a brief time where I was like, maybe it would be like a fox. But I think it would be a cheetah, because I am very drawn to cheetah, because... I mean, in addition to the fact that they're adorable and they're just kind of like slightly bigger, slightly more fierce house cats, which I love, they're also these very anxious animals that oh, yeah, they have, have to have, have dogs. emotional support dogs in zoos. And I just love them so much. So I think cheetahs are both kind of like me and also that they just have a very special place in my heart. So I think I would feel much better facing down a Dementor with a cheetah, possibly with its little emotional support dog by its side. <laughs> I along just, with me in my head i love the image of just like house cat just specifically my house cat bopping the dementor to make it go away just bop. i love that too my my cheetah could do some bopping too i mean i think your cheetah's gonna chase them but might you know, my house chase, cat's gonna chase do a good bop. little pounce it's gonna do a pounce it's gonna be great <laughs> it would be super cute clearly we both have positive feelings regarding the cat family obviously <laughs> i actually wondered if like a different cat more like predatory big cat was the right thing and then i was like no no house cat's perfect house cat i love house cat for for you i think that's great and i think that has to wrap up at least most of our thoughts on patronuses Uh, i I wouldn't say most i think we have wrapped up our current feelings on the pottermore quiz patronuses i've said what i need to say about dapple gray stallions so (laughs) 
<laughs> really? It's, the whole point of this episode was just for Sarah to vent about how much she did part. not want a horse for a Patronus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more thing. It's not even just horse. It's like a very specific horse. And I just, I don't get it. I don't even know what a dapple gray stallion is. That's because there were like 10 different kinds of horses you could get on the quiz, Sarah. I know. Why were there so many horse options? Because there were like 200 choices of animals you could get. But like, why were 5% of the options horses? Maybe J.K. Rowling was a horse girl. Maybe she was a horse girl. I mean, I don't mind horses. I don't mind horses, like, in general, but they're not my Patronus. You know what we're not doing? We're not wrapping up is what we're doing right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Let's wrap I, it up. I'll resist the urge to say more about my <laughs> No Potter more about horses. <laughs> Thanks to Sahara Sky for the use of our theme song, Never Long Time Goes By, from the album Escapism. And thanks for listening. You can get in touch with us by tweeting at unassignedpod over on Twitter or emailing us at unassignedreadingpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. Yeah, and if you're enjoying the show, head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. It really makes our day. And we'll be back on the 27th for a discussion of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It's going to be a good one, guys. And it's also an episode that may or may not be cursed based on how many issues we had while recording it. We did have to re-record half of our audio. Yeah, so maybe like half cursed then. Yeah, something like that. Now go read some books. Mm